Are you going to share any of that uh, tequila, Justin? Well, that's yeah. actually, that is my mother-in-law's, or my, it's actually my son's bottle um, at my mother-in-law's oh. house. Um, so it, we are not allowed to open that. What <laughs> bottle of tequila is this? It's There's got a, a scorpion. Giant There's scorpion. a picture of me oh. posing with a bottle of tequila with a scorpion in it. Yeah. Bring it. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, and welcome to Murder Husbands, an in-depth episode-by-episode discussion of Brian Fuller's Hannibal, based on characters from the novels by Thomas Harris. We are Popsicle. We are a group of like-minded creators who enjoy getting together to have big conversations for big stories. I am writer, editor, and all-around nerd, Justin Penniston. Uh, as always, I am joined by my wonderful Popsicle cohorts, uh, first, we have writer extraordinaire, astrologer of the stars, and humorist of the highest order, Kelly Sue. Wow. Hello. Uh, next, we have the delightful craftsman. We have the queen of the cosmos. We have our very own Claire Thorne, whose last name was sort of a wordle word this week. It was. They almost, they left a, a letter out just by the, you know, uh, restrictions of their own making, right? Like, it needed six letters. Anyway, now that the New York Times is about Wordle, I'm sure they're going to, like, expand it out to ten letters, so we'll be good. Next, we have Lisa K. Weber, whose last name could be a Wordle word, uh, illustrator, graphic designer, all-around visual genius. Wow. I have a very high visual IQ. Thank you. <laughs> and then last, but by no means least, we have the wonderful Philip Kelly. Philip Kelly is the engine that makes Popsicle go. He is the man who holds our hand as we cross the street. He is a, a delightful, opinionated, heart on his sleeve sort of a guy. Philip Kelly. Pop Papa Phil here. Now, before we dive deep into discussion, Kelly, Sue, and Lisa will take us through a quick recap of Contorno. Um, and I'm sure it will delight and amuse. Take it away. We're on a train. Think the Hogwarts Express, except not magical. And the only Dementor energy is Will Graham forcing Chio to relive her trauma. <laughs> we learn about her past, her relationship to Hannibal, while she caresses some very Victorian-era curtains. Cue Dragonfly Man releasing fireflies. And then snails. So many olive oily snails. Hannibal goes on and on about the cochlear gardens he kept as a kid. How did not one adult pick up on him not being okay? He and Bedelia are eating snails sexily. Mm. Jack Crawford is very literally on the scene in Florence, where we first meet him on a bridge, saying goodbye to Bella as he sprinkles her ashes into the river. It's a poignant moment, followed up by a dinner with the Patsies. He speaks of the strangeness of being in Italy without Bella. They toast her and then teach Jack how to say, Papardelli. <laughs> it feels like this scene exists, so we fall in love with Patsy's wife, which makes me instantly fear for her life. 
We then switch to a truly gross version of a dinner between Alana Bloom and Mason Berger. Alana is tracking purchases made by the same blonde woman. Hey, hey, B, your plan worked. While Mason Verger sexually harasses her to her face. Hathney goes to visit Hannibal and interrupts his very serious looking brushing of a statue. They both say a lot of words to each other that basically amount to Patsy saying, I know it's you, bitch, and Hannibal saying, your ancestors are trash. <laughs> Patsy then posts a wanted poster. <laughs> like it's good. <laughs> okay. Patsy then posts the wanted poster like it's goddamn tombstone and tries to collect the bounty himself. Never has anyone hoisted their own petard to this degree. Hannibal suits himself by playing cute piano and doing some cute drawings. He tells Bedelia about Patsy and just as cutely muses about how everyone is so obsessed with him and just watch, Lil Patsy is gonna sell him to the FBI. Cute. <laughs> we made it through that paragraph. <laughs> What's not so cute is several things. First, Chio kisses a recently shirtless above her bunk, Will, as they speak very emo about her past at the back of the train. Considering she's basically Hannibal's only living relative, it should come as no surprise whatsoever that after she gets fresh with Will, she pushes him clean off that goddamn train. Guess he's hoofing it to Florence. <laughs> Next, Patsy has the balls to return to Hannibal after selling him to Mason Eat My Face Verger and tries to sneak evidence. Oh, no, 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 no. Patsy gets potsied by Hannibal, which is to say gutted and hung out the window just in time for Jack to show up and be like, I see you. What follows is the only fight that could ever be compared to the kitchen pantry tango. Hannibal escapes, bloody, broken, and all the way cheesed. <laughs> I believe that I would not be doing my duties as a host if I did not say, Kelly Sue, you have outdone yourself. Oh my God. <laughs> You're, I believe that I will be saying your ancestors are trash to just people oh. on the street. Holy hell. <laughs> I mean, listen, it's just what happened. It is exactly, exactly what happened. And yep. like, yeah. You know, you're, you write them as it happens. So I, I just need everybody to know that the word petard sounds way too much like Picard for me. So every single time <laughs> I hear that word, I'm envisioning myself picking up Patrick Stewart by the knees, like, and just picking up him and holding him up. You got know. hoisted by your own Picard. And, it, <laughs> yeah. and it's interesting because Claire's like, I have, Claire's like, I have my own Picard, you know? <laughs> <laughs> wow, um, we all deserve our own. Oh, that was amazing. So let's, oh. let's start off, uh, let, let's pull a Hannibal. Let's do some, let's do some Potsy and then get him out of the way. Okay, <laughs> so um, all other considerations aside, and we can discuss them at length if you like, but did Potsy earn his death in Hannibal's hand? Does selling Hannibal out to Mason as opposed to the FBI make Potsy rude? I don't think it makes him rude so much as it makes him dishonorable. Ooh, you know, I like that. That's... I, I like that too. Does that, does Hannibal turn on the dishonorable? Yes, I yeah. believe so. I, be I mean, I mean, certainly he does when it suits him. 
And this time it definitely suited him. I think he was hoping that he was going to get sold back into custody of Will. (laughs) I think that's what he was hoping. And then he was like, dude, like the worst, (laughs) the worst choice. Well, he certainly seems delighted that, you know, there's a price in his head and people are looking for him. He definitely. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like when he talked about like calling the line, calling the tip line to basically Mm -hmm. fuck with them. (laughs) I was like, I wish I could have seen that scene. (laughs) Do you think it's Mason Verger always answering the tip line too? Because no, what was amazing? The tip line, because, you know, um, Patsy called the tip line. That was not Mason Verger on the other end of the line. I don't know who it was, but I want to give them all the awards for that moment. Because yeah. that was some incredible voice work. It really was. What's on your resume? Huh. Well, I man phone lines for <laughs> evil, faceless psychopaths who wish oh to lure other evil, faceless psychopaths to their doom. And, and all of this is super an adaptation of the novel Hannibal. This is, you know, like the only big difference between all of this stuff with Potsy is that Potsy literally goes to paris to make the phone call so it can't be traced back to him you know but other than that yeah i mean like like some of it word for word is right out of the novel like it's so it's so weird to me that he doesn't even stop to think that hannibal will remember the one man that put that tried to put him away as a young man himself like well they don't don't go into the details no they don't Mm -hmm. but so we don't know if they you know if if, potsy's name ever came up in the investigation once or twice or or if he was ever seriously if he was ever seriously approached as a suspect, mm-hmm. you know, I guess, but yeah. you no, know, but I hear you. Yeah. And certainly mm-hmm. it indicates yeah. that whatever else is true about Potsy, he does not He's... know Hannibal Lecter. No. Oh, hell Hannibal, no. No. You know, he does now. Yeah. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> the best way to get to know him. Yeah. Oh my God. Remind, remind me the, the, ori- the other scene, the Anthony Hopkins version of this Potsy scene with the disemboweling and the hanging that's in the movie. Yeah. Hannibal? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right. The, it the felt big like difference. the same set. Like I, it looks so identical. It, it was framed it, identically. And and yeah, I think, absolutely. I think they're both shot on location. So they might literally be in the same spot. It, yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised, I guess. Um and uh when I was doing a little research on the episode, I mean, they definitely intentionally mirrored some of the shots from that scene. You know, like the way that Potsy falls and stuff like that is all shot from a similar perspective. And it, it's intentionally, you know, they're they're like, you know, why? Yeah. If there's a great visual director in Hollywood, you know, Ridley Scott has to be at the top of the list of those possibilities. So why would you, you know, why mess with what he's doing? Mm-hmm. Um, interestingly, yep. because, you know, Kelly Sue puts it into the description of the episode, but Hannibal's threats to Potsy are not made to Potsy in the in the book or or even in the movie I think they're made to Potsy's against Potsy's wife he's threatening oh. to eat and do all this horrible stuff to Potsy's wife and you know Potsy's gives it all up yeah mm. uh, yeah really I appreciate um the I appreciate that this was not a, like a long drawn out affair that it was all pretty quick mm-hmm. um and that we didn't threaten the wife 
that it was just like, you just tell me. And Patsy was like, okay. I'll tell you. The whole, um, <laughs> the whole thing in the book is a little misogynistic. Like Patsy's mm-hmm. wife is kind of set up as this shrew who's ruining his life and blah, blah, blah. Oh, God. You know? And I mean, he, women aren't treated great in the books. No, no, no definitely no, not. No, they are not. <laughs> um, no. <laughs> and, you know, Brian Fuller really tries to fix a lot of that stuff over the, you know, like, um, uh, what's her name? Um, uh, Mason's sister. Uh, Margot. Margot. Like, she's like a bodybuilding, like, you know, forgive my French, but like bull dyke, like a stereotypical bull dyke in the books, you know? And like, you know, that's lame you know yeah and she's a much more interesting character here i think you know um but uh but back to potsy i like like his arc in this season was kind of subtle but really nice like this is a guy who's shown as desperate to have his old shine back you know what i mean like to be seen as someone you know of value and clearly is at odds with his policing organization, you know, sees, feels unappreciated. So his decision to sell Hannibal out for money is right on point. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's like, yeah, you know. Um, well, and I and, like the detail of like the wife and like he, that he's actually very devoted to his wife and is very much in love with her. And like, yeah. you, you also get the sense mm-hmm. that it's like, he wants this opportunity to like provide for her and give her a good life, you know? Um, so I like that also being a, like another motivation that I find that I find even more compelling. Yeah. You, um, I mean, you see him with his wife for like what three minutes maybe, mm-hmm. and you get a full sense of like, Oh, okay. This is a couple who are legitimately, you know, attached to each other and have a full um, relationship. Yeah, arguably, nice. her her most compelling screen time isn't even with Potsy; it's with Jack. Yeah, when she's telling yeah. Jack that you know my husband's missing. Oh God, you know, and sends Jack mm-hmm. out onto the night, which is a good you know segue into the next thing I want to talk about, which is Jack Boy. Um, <laughs> I would argue that. In this episode, Will gets stuck with the pulp because Jack really gets the juice. Like from his right. first moments on screen, when you, you know, when he's scattering the ashes and ooh, that scene with the ring, that was like, that hit me where I live, man. Um, and then I don't know about anybody else. I found the ass whooping that Jack put on Hannibal, I found it extremely cathartic. Oh my God. I, I think I we're like, all in that yes, boat, right? Yeah. Like that was so incredibly satisfying to watch. Yeah, it was. Well, and I was also like, finally Jack gets his chance to be sexy as hell. Totally. Yeah. Like, good for totally. him. On yeah. every level Deserved. too. Yeah. Deserved. Yeah. I, was, I was going to confess the degree to which I was turned on by that fight scene. <laughs> oh and I was having a hard mm-hmm. time this time trying to quantify the degree to which it was due to seeing Hannibal get the beat, uh, the shit beaten out of him. A mm-hmm. or just Jack being a hundred and ten percent Jack or a thousand percent Jack. That was not nearly oh. enough percentage um, <laughs> in that scene. I think it's a it's a mixture, but 
there, yeah, there's something very twisted in my mind there. <laughs> oh, oh, I mean, I mean, I guess we're all a little twisted then. Cause it's like, I feel the same way. I, um, Oh yeah. Like we talk a lot on this show about like how, how the series makes Hannibal a sympathetic character, but it's not like I'm rooting for him necessarily. Right. Right. And certainly not when it comes to Jack, it's like this, Especially. yeah, this yeah. felt yeah. so good. Um, and yeah, like I, I am a fight scene connoisseur. Like I fucking love fight scenes. <laughs> um, and this ranks like real high on my list. There, yeah. There, oh yeah. There are two things in this sequence. Uh, one, you have the the sort of repetition of the way Hannibal walks to Miriam Lass with the shoes off. You have mm. Jack approaching Hannibal in the same sort of way, which was just yeah. so. I was like, yeah, fucking get him with your shoes off. Do the same mm -hmm. thing you did to his. I know. And then there's broken glass. Exactly. Wonderful. And then there's there's glass and Jack. Just walks over the gas. Yeah. And like me have like a hard yeah. time with walking on glass. glass. Wonderful. Fuck the glass. And and <laughs> just the way they shot Hannibal as the prey. You know how you always get those scenes where someone is kind of looking around and you get everything from their point of view or you're not sure, sure where the, the person who's attacking is. Just that whole layout that Hannibal is now the one being hunted. Uh, it was really wonderful. Yeah. Um, well, well, it's and so I great too to have a fight scene go down in an area where there's loads of medieval torture tools yes. everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, way to make use of that Brian mm -hmm. Fuller and mm -hmm. Tia. Oh, yeah. Yeah. My yeah. husband was losing his shit as, you know, he, he, Jack sends Hannibal through the one display case. And then mm -hmm. when Jack walks through it and that hook is hanging there, my he walks past it initially. My husband was like, grab it, grab it. You, <laughs> he was losing his shit. And then he did. And he's like, okay, good. I'm like, I'm sorry. That was stressful for you, but okay. Another, <laughs> oh my God. I love it. Oh, great. I think another great thing about all of this is that to my mind, Jack at this point in this, the, the show, the progress of the show is his best self. Mm. You know, yes. this oh, yeah. is a guy he, yes. he has, you know, he let his, he let Bella go, you know, he put her out of her misery, which I think was an act of kindness and love, you know, mm -hmm. um, he is in Italy, not just to honor her, but also to, to save Will from himself if possible. Um, and he doesn't put anyone else intentionally in Hannibal's way, you know, he goes after Hannibal himself. And so it's just like, ah, oh, this is, a man who's learned the lessons of his past. And in that, in being that best self, he gets this huge victory, you know? And I really, I really appreciated it. And I felt like it was, you know, I mean, this is a show about Hannibal and Will, but Jack is like, you know, right there below them, you know? And so it was, I felt this was a really great shining moment for him. You know, I, um, yeah, I you're like, totally right. Yeah, you know. it's I mean, like he um, talking about like learning from mistakes of the past. It's like everyone else is taking their past experiences and becoming like a worse version of themselves. And Jack's the only one who's taking it and becoming a better version of himself. So totally, like, yeah, yeah. And I think he's the only one who's seeing clearly right yeah. now mm -hmm. even maybe even maybe including Hannibal as 
as in control as Hannibal still remains, I don't think he's fully seeing everyone entirely clearly. Jack absolutely, well, death, death and grief does that to you, right? Like it, it, it sets things, it opens things is the right way, I think. And I think just everything is open to Jack right now and everyone around him. And yeah, he's just, he's just a freight train of just like a beautiful, beautiful fight scene. It's amazing. And it's crazy that he, at the same time, Lawrence Fishburne was doing this show. He was also working on blackish at the very beginning of that, of that show, you know, Oh wow! doing something couldn't have been more different, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, I remember at the time people were talking about black and there was concern about bringing Jack back for this season because of his commitment to blackish and he was and he was very clear he's like there is nothing coming between me and doing this show so i mean i yeah. love that yeah yeah can I love you that blame too. him no well, <laughs> because... you, know, when you, you know you you get material this good you know maybe once in a career you know true does remind me does jack crawford go this far in the book well, in the in Hannibal, Jack Crawford is at the end of his career. Right. Okay. Yeah, he's he's not the guy. He's not in Europe going right. after Hannibal. He like he retires. Right. You know, at the beginning of of Hannibal, and because I remember you mentioning, yeah, I remember you mentioning something about like originally he was supposed to die at the end of season two, right? There, there was a thought of that. Yeah. There was a thought of that. Yes, yes, right. there was that's that, what I'm thinking that was something well, that they, but but that was because they were of, thinking of the conflict with Blackish. Got it. Well, I'm happy that all of those bridges were crossed safely so that mm-hmm. we could have the scene that we're discussing here yes. today. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> also, and I didn't put this in any of the question that stuff that I wrote, but uh, I really liked Hannibal's little conversation with Alana on the phone. <laughs> oh my god yeah. i thought that was just on just ah, ah it was so mm-hmm. great you it know? really was mads mickelson is so great at this kind of like condescending kind of tough talk he does it so well in dr strange like mm-hmm. makes that a character that could be so boring mm-hmm. and that's what makes it interesting and it's the same texture in that quick phone call with Alana it's like yeah, yeah it's actually yeah. an awkward time I'm glad to hear your voice <laughs> yeah it's he's always so relaxed in those moments I think is what gives it you know like comparing his his character in Doctor Strange to to like what's his name the dude in um Guardians of the Galaxy the first one um oh, Ronan yeah like he's so shrilly and over the top yeah, which I think is a directorial choice. I'm not laying that on Lee Pace, Lee Pace at all yeah. because God bless him, I love him. Um, I would but... lay on Lee Pace. <laughs> <laughs> Ayo, <laughs> that's not what I was going for, Kelly. No, just kidding. Um, yes, we all would, Kelly, <laughs> like a popsicle, like sandwich with Lee why Pace. Um, but yeah, it's it, there's man. something there's something to like that delivery of that kind of you know threat. And doing it just in this completely relaxed, breezy manner. It's just delightful. I, I want to go yeah. back just for a moment 
and and give credit to Mads Mikkelsen for uh, his dancing skills, his gymnastic skills, because I think mm. a large part of that fight scene is just the beauty of his physicality as he mm. falls over and over and it gets thrown into things oh over and over and over. Well, I mean, uh, the, yeah, the anyway. choice of music is perfect too. It makes it feel oh, like it's a Looney yes. Tunes episode or so, you know, just where oh, it's like this kind my. of, it's man, sad. and the it way it's edited, perfect. When he gets punched yeah. and his head hits the thing and you, the music hits at the same, like the editing job for this fight sequence, everything about it was so special. Yeah, totally. I, I would argue that the music this season has been the best it's ever been. Like, it's just mm-hmm. tremendous. Fantastic. I'm mm-hmm. just really struck by it a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, as for Mads Mikkelsen, like his physicality is, we've talked about it before like him hurling himself against the door to the kitchen mm-hmm. pantry you know there's just something like he is a truly he's an excellent physical actor um and just to lay down the smack on freaking dr strange because <laughs> i'm quite confident that that character Caecilius, mm. like on the page is ain't shit do you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. like he is yeah. he is a typical underdeveloped and not very interesting you know mcu villain you know he's you uh-huh. know, yeah. and but mads mickelson spins you know straw to gold that's just what he does you know oh my god yeah the eye makeup doesn't hurt either rumple so. mickelson you know <laughs> okay. it's um, so amazing mm-hmm. but uh speaking of spinning things into gold we need to make a little gold ourselves um so we're gonna have to go on break Wow. Um, so uh, why don't you guys stretch your legs, do what you got to do, listen to these wonderful messages from our sponsors, and we'll be right back. Okay, Fanables, if you're enjoying this conversation, be sure to like and subscribe to Popsicle on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Uh, check out our other often ongoing show that episode was in which we previously discussed why the last man uh the sixth season of expanse and we probably have another one of the works although we are not at liberty to discuss uh follow us at popsicle pod on all social media platforms or sign up for our newsletter at popsiclepod.com the first issue of which has gone out uh for all the upcoming and ongoing podcast and related information that's p-o-p-s-k-l-p-o-d and now back to the action. And we are back. Um, so the thing about this episode, you, you know, I said it earlier, you know, Will's role in this episode is relatively small, but it's definitely worth discussing. Um, is it me or has he completely misread Shio? You know, um, she she put that whammy on him. She gave him a little smoochy smooch, and he was like, oh. and then next thing you know, he's you know he's on the he's on the tracks. You know, um, mm-hmm. is Will's head properly in the game? Um, is he still playing checkers while Hannibal's playing chess? I think so. And what makes me think that is this: when you're sharing a train compartment with somebody you don't know that well why are you sleeping with no shirt on (laughs) what are you doing (laughs) meanwhile she's wearing like a three-piece suit (laughs) (laughs) 
So A, obviously not reading the signals. <laughs> Will is not plugged in to whatever is going on right now. That is abundantly clear. Mm -hmm. And I'm also like, who goes to the back? Don't go to the back of the train in the middle of the night. <laughs> I swear to God with this one. <laughs> it was very sloppy work on Will's parts. <laughs> um, I think after the whole like experience in Lithuania he was like feeling himself because mm -hmm. he's mm -hmm. like look at me I'm like my murder husband Hannibal and I can manipulate people to murder too for my own ends <laughs> and like also he's yeah, he definitely misread what Chio <laughs> was about because um oh. no dude <laughs> First of all, listeners, I really wish that you could have seen all the shoulders shimmery just then when, uh, yes. when Lisa and Kelly Sue were describing what was going on. Um, Listen, I don't have a problem Gio. seeing Hugh Dancy without his shirt on in this show, like ever. No. I don't have a problem. With I mean, that. this is a man used to having night sweats. So the idea that he didn't bring up a set of pajamas along with him is, yeah, it's reasonable ish. I'll, I'll go with it. Maybe I'll that's fair, it. but I also love being able to say, put on a shirt, you big idiot. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. I do too. And you know what? He would have to have his shirt off in order for you to say that. So exactly. So we all win is what I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> Bill, what are your thoughts? I, their conversations are the most Hannibal of Hannibal conversations I think the show has given us so far, which are, they're kind of hilarious in how Hannibal they are. Uh, you, and you would think Will would know by this point that anybody that talks like Hannibal to that degree is probably not worth trusting, who speaks in yeah. these elegantly, like stretched out metaphors and, and, and compares things to like snails riding around and birds and being shot out and stuff like that you'd think will that you think the ping radar would be like will maybe you should take a second look at this gallon and totally. uh keep your eyes peeled you know it's uh, was well, anybody it's like, else I also oh. oh sorry go on no, no, I, no, was, no. I was just gonna you say go. like in that conversation like in the bunk bed conversation um where he's asking her like if she's thinking about the murder that she just did and if she like sees this guy that she killed when she closes her eyes and she says no i see you <laughs> and i was like that's so like because you know she answered the question the way will answered questions to hannibal like in that same yes. way where it's like i see you and i have fantasies about killing you mm -hmm. um and so but i think that it's like i don't think he necessarily misunderstood what she said there but i think because he would have these fantasies about killing hannibal while also being like in love with hannibal and obsessed with hannibal um so if he's like oh if i'm inspiring that in somebody else sure maybe she wants to kill me but maybe she also wants to make out <laughs> I, I feel like I mean, all of his all of his questions lead down this path of like we're we're alike aren't we like we've been through the mm -hmm. same thing and all of her answers are like no you're mm -hmm. wrong <laughs> like every time he brings up a question to her she like deflects it and says no like when I'm thinking yeah. something like she's literally wearing it on her shoulder that they're not 
yeah. alike. I mean, she's like, just, I don't think you know me. I am not show friends. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Well, exactly. Even, even if he's completely <laughs> discounting her skill at having a Hannibal-esque conversation, right? Like therapizing each other in the train. It, it, the fact that he doesn't at least go, okay, here's someone who has known Hannibal since her childhood and has been influenced by him to that degree and has graduated and gone on to, you know, like her first job is like just sitting in nowhere and being who Hannibal wants her to be for as long as she has. Like, you can't read that as like, okay, here's, here's not a person who's, you know, at my place in, in my shoes, you know, like me, I am, I'm like, you know, in third grade compared to this woman in her experience with Hannibal. But the thing about, I don't know that Will acknowledges that though. I think Will, Yeah. I, I really agree that Will thinks that he has graduated to be with the, to stand with the big boys. And I think on a certain level, he sees in her a kindred spirit. You know, he sees the him that was, and, you know, he's like, look, if Hannibal can deal with me, then, you know, I could deal with her, you know? Um, well, there's and... also that, that bit about like how she was standing still um, and how it was almost like her time with the prisoner was like frozen, you know, and static that she didn't like change at all. Um, whereas Will, all he, he's so like, we talk like, I mean, the water symbolism with Will is just ever present because he's so fluid. He's so like, he's in constant motion. It seems like this way, that way, like waving mm -hmm. back and forth that it's like, he doesn't know the concept of standing still the way Chio does. And it's this kind of core difference between the two of them that, yeah, I don't think he would recognize because he like, I, like he doesn't understand that he grew up on boats, people. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't know. <laughs> well, but Will definitely gets his comeuppance. Like it was satisfying mm -hmm. seeing him get shoved off that plane. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> God. Yeah. It was pretty great. You know? yep. Well, it, when you, when you're just, when you're watching something and you're like, this character's asking for it. And it's always disappointing when they don't get it. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But, you know, when they do get it, you're like, see, you dummy. You know? And, <laughs> yep. You know, was anyone else kind of like, there? it was so hard for me to watch the scenes of them chatting on the train and not want a shot out the window where we see Hannibal's eyes. <laughs> like from... Oh my God. Like kind of an opportunity miss. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like a little bit. Would have been very Francis Ford Coppola, Dracula, Dracula, and I would have. Yes, I, I would. I have, thought of that as well. I would have been like, "That's how you do it." Yep, hundred <laughs> percent. Very sophisticated cinematography. Mm. <laughs> um, yeah, I dig well, it. I suppose animals' eyes, but the head of a wolf. That's what I'm seeing in that. Oh, there we yeah. go. Very Francis Ford Coppola. Ooh. Oh, man. I like that. You know, just a little homage. Well, you know, I will say, I don't, one of the, you know, typical for 
shows of this sort for anything, but you know, it's interesting that Will survives that fall, you know, relatively unscathed. But, you know, if it had been a real situation, he probably would have made quite the exquisite corpse. <laughs> and so yeah. I'm thinking given, now. Given that, that he winces when he gets out of his bunk bed, wow. like he winces, like falling off a train had to loosen some stitches or something, <laughs> right? Like, I mean. I, um, so I think this is a good time for us to swing into our exquisite corpse segment. Um, this week, uh, the lovely Phil will uh, take us away on which one of the show's more interesting corpses to be sure. Thank you. Uh, well, I mean, the, yeah, the corpse we get is Patsy, right? Hang, swinging with his guts out. Uh, and there's, I mean, there's not much, like a lot of this episode kind of lays it bare already because there was an actual Pazzi conspiracy um, in Italy. The Pazzi family tried to overthrow the leadership of Florence. Um, all of that is very real and true. Um, so this is like the second time they've spun something out of like history like this, right? Uh, with with the, um, the actual monster of uh, Florence, right? I think mm -hmm. it was the other time this season. Yeah. Um, and... Uh, so, I mean, really, I mean, just it's all details after that, like uh, one of the Pazzi family, uh, the one that was referred to, uh, Francesco the Pazzi was, uh, he was hung, he was, uh, whether he was gutted or not, it doesn't say, um, but he was uh, drugged through the streets, he was buried, then he was pulled out again, and they chopped off his head and they used it as a door knocker on his door, and then they threw the body into a ditch and then the kids pulled it out of the ditch and whacked it with some sticks for a while. And then they courted him and they sent parts of his body all over the place. So like, like what, with what happened to this Potsy, it's, it's a scratching the surface of what happened to the actual medieval Potsy. What can happen to a Potsy? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> um, so so well, you, we really only got like say, you maybe half or a quarter Potsy. What? No. <laughs> what was that, Lisa? What was that, Lisa? I was saying he, he got like more like a half or a quarter Potsy. Yes, he did. He didn't he get got, the full yeah, Potsy. He didn't get the full Potsy. Um, and the other interesting element to this that I, I looked at the Scold's Bridal. Um, well, first, first of all, because this actually will lead into the Scold's Bridal, is they didn't hang and quarter women at the time. They burned them at the stake because they, it was too uh, uh, outrageous, I guess, to let women be seen in pieces being or dismembered. being dismembered. Or I guess if there was any sort of like nudity involved it would have been too much for people you know just the way it was described i was kind of like all right so they burned them at the stake uh but the scold's bridal which potsy brings wow. out to try to get i imagine hannibal's fingerprints on um was actually a device used mostly for women um to put over their face and then the little iron thing across their mouth but there was also a little thing that went into the mouth with a little sharp piece that stuck on the tongue so anytime they tried to talk it would stab their tongue a little bit so any woman that needed to be shamed or uh, like put in their place, like a witch, they, they called it the witch's bridal as well. Um, they, wow. would use, they would use that to keep the women in their place. Uh, so that also has some pretty dang dark history to it. So we're getting a few things here that uh, 
in a way, you know, hey, Potsy, keep your mouth shut, I guess. Like, don't do this. Like, I don't know. Like, I don't know how to like, uh, only that it's dark and disturbing and, you know, fits this uh, uh, kind of museum of awfulness that Hannibal is putting together. Yeah. Um, I, I, they don't call him the dark ages for nothing. No, they do not. Boy. And um, also dudes. <laughs> for real. Yeah. For real. Yeah. So like I've been to I've 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 been to Italy and I've been to like I there they have like these little torture museums torture in some museums. Towns. Oh, they're all over, oh, yeah. all over Italy. Yeah. They're all over. Yeah. So you know, you so mm -hmm. like walking through these towns, it's like you just pass by, oh, here's a torture museum. And yeah. I remember like like just kind of walking into like one of them and you know thinking i don't know maybe i'll take a tour of this and i walked in the door and was immediately like nope out of there i do not need to spend any time with this stuff um and uh so the fact that hannibal is spending like all of his time with this stuff mm -hmm. is not um a shocker <laughs> gnarly shit man yeah, but it it's is. like you know leave it to hannibal to be like let me get medieval on you yep i have to do this and i apologize and this is my worst quality uh -oh. <laughs> but Yay. you know this is just something that i need to point out because it drives me crazy every time i hear it art is hung people are hanged whenever mm. someone is executed by hanging that is called they, they, they you never say it's grammatically incorrect to say that they are hung that guy was hung he was hanged like the tarot card is called the hanged man and that's the yeah. way to, to remember that like art <laughs> is hung yeah or hanged I see. Hmm? you know the hung man it's different totally different <laughs> totally different yeah totally. sure does not, not necessarily a bad tarot card no. <laughs> right. exactly i'm not a terrible yeah, about premonition thomas jane you guys there is there is a treat in your future oh. you know? mm -hmm. <laughs> and it is sizable <laughs> Oh man, no. you know what? I, I love us. <laughs> if you set so, it up, I have to knock it down. Before before we close out this episode, um, Claire would like to make a recommendation beyond a hung man. So uh, take yes. it away, Claire. I'm so happy. Not recommending HBO's Hung. No, well, yeah, okay. but I mean, Thomas Jane. I mean, that wasn't that wasn't the worst. That was, it really wasn't the worst. No. It was pretty funny. No, it was not. Yeah, at all. yeah. Um, so I'm I'm pleased to be able to give a recommendation he, today in this episode where we're kind of we've we've left Lithuania slash Transylvania, and um, but it still lingers, right? Like that whole train ride for me still feels like oh, we're we're still in the Gothic you know, all the gothic. Um, so I'm pleased because I was feeling very jealous as everybody was making their like favorite vampire kinds of recommendations. And I'm like, I want to make my favorite vampire recommendations. Oh, I'm so, so excited to hear it. Mine is both a film and a book. And I'm going to recommend very specifically the book because I want people to read the book in spite of how fucking amazing the movie is. 
um, but please read the book. Uh, Let the Right One In by Swedish author Jean, I cannot say his middle name, Ajvid Lindqvist. Um, it is about a 12-year-old boy named Oscar who is bullied and has just a horrible everything, horrible life, horrible just existence. And he meets a centuries-old vampire child, Eli, and it's amazing. It is, and it is, it fits right into the slot of our appreciation for the relationship building in Hannibal. It is, it is all about this just amazing connection and relationship between these two characters and horrible, horrible things are happening, but you root for this, these two people to be together and to help each other and be true to each other and loyal. And it's just, it's so poignant and, and adorable (laughs) while people are being dismembered. It's amazing. (laughs) I love it. But I, I absolutely did read do recommend the book. I read the book before the movie. You will not, this is one of those glorious times where you will not be disappointed by reading the book and then watching the movie after because the movie does such a spot on job of just translating the tone and prose of this book onto the screen. It's flawlessly done. Brilliant. I love them. So yes, let let the right one in. It's really interesting to me that you, this was your choice because for something that I've been writing, I was just looking up, let the right one in. And, okay. you know, and I, if I had to pick only one vampire movie to watch tell, for the rest of my life, it would be let the right one in. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I didn't even know it was a book beforehand until oh, doing this research. And I was like, oh, oh. so now I'm, I'm thinking about reading it. And so very interesting god i love yeah that i'm in this i also did not know it was a book so now i'm i'm also curious yeah. to read the book it's very i mean it is so swedish horror like that nobody can do horror quite like the swedes and this book really is like if if the girl with the dragon tattoo like you know married hannibal and had kids like they i trust kids. i trust swedish horror because those people live in complete and utter darkness for like almost half the year. For and all of the time. Um, yeah. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, they know about like melancholy existential horror, which is like, ooh, that just feels so good in my body. So, yeah. <laughs> Again, I wish you could have seen. Lisa telling us that felt so good in her body. That was, One of these days, we're gonna whole, have to we're gonna yeah. have to share some of these. We're videos. gonna have to put some of these on YouTube. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think it's gonna be a necessity. Well, I think that's a wonderful recommendation. Uh, Let the right one in is tremendous as a movie, so I'm definitely gonna put the book on my reading list. Um, and the rest of you should as well. Uh, so. With that, we will bid you adieu, ciao, and adios. Uh, join us next Tuesday for the for Hannibal Season 3, Episode 6, Dolce. Uh, you can always help us by subscribing, sharing, and leaving us a nice comment. 
I mean, you can even leave a nasty comment, but we're going to clown you. So until next time, bon appetito. This has been a Popsicle Podcast production.